What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three boys ready to go infinity and beyond with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm hoping we get a gritty, realistic take on Lightning McQueen next. I'm Keith Baker, and I was upset Rex didn't make an appearance. And I'm Austin Terry, and Buzz Lightyear seems like he'd be a terrible supervisor. On that, I think we can all agree. On today's show, we are, of course, discussing the 26th film in Pixar's feature film lineup with Lightyear. But before we get to that, are you guys looking forward to Chris Evans replacing Tim Allen in the upcoming The Santa Claus Disney Plus series? I absolutely am. Um, I think this is so funny how angry Tim Allen was that he didn't get asked to do the voice of Lightyear for this movie. Um, I hope this is just an ongoing thing for Chris Evans and Tim Allen. I hope in the eventual reboot of Last Man Standing in 10 years, Chris Evans is cast in that. I just want to see Chris Evans take over Tim Allen's entire career. I saw that uh, Paul Bettany is going to be replacing uh, Martin Short as Jack Frost. Wow, really? Yeah. Ooh, man, I'm going to have to really sit on that one. <laughs> Paul Bettany, that's an interesting pick. <laughs> Maybe Scarlett Johansson will replace the short little elf girl. <laughs> Avengers Assemble. But David Crumholtz uh, and no, they'll Spencer Breslin. Yeah, they come back as, as Curtis and uh, Yeah, Bernard. he's irreplaceable. <laughs> he's the only one that's irreplaceable. When you think about it, it's been so long since the last entry to the Santa Claus that some audience members might not even catch on to uh, this upcoming replacement casting, but did you guys hear that since Charlie, uh, Santa Claus's son, has aged so much in between three in the series that they've actually decided to replace him with Jason Momoa? Wow. Now that's a gritty, realistic casting right there. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> can you imagine that? It's like, I got to go visit my dad up in the <laughs> North Pole. He's the big man. <laughs> oh, God. He's the big man. <laughs> Mahala, Mr. Claus. Dad, can you get me the Zack Snyder box set for Christmas this year? <laughs> well, with that, guys, let's go ahead and get into today's topic of the show. Unfortunately, it is not Jason Momoa, but Pixar has built up quite an incredible reputation over the years since its inception. Their first film, Toy Story, came out in 1995 and told the story of a group of tight-knit toys belonging to a young boy that have to contend with change once a brand new Space Ranger toy is brought home with the name Buzz Lightyear. As we come to find out, this toy was merchandise coming from a film that Andy and his friends saw in the world of Toy Story and fell in love with. This 2022 film, Lightyear, is that very movie. Pretty cool and kind of a different idea, at least I thought, and one that Pixar has actually dabbled with in the past. In 2000, the year after Toy Story 2 came out, Disney and Pixar released an animated direct-to-video film called Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, which followed the real Buzz Lightyear and his team going up against evil Emperor Zurg. This was directly followed by a television show that continued their adventures and ran for 62 episodes. So... It's kind of interesting to bring up. It just seems like the idea of taking the Tim Allen toy version of Buzz and expanding upon that lore to do projects about the real Buzz Lightyear is something that, for whatever reason, Disney and Pixar seem really interested in doing because they've done it a few times now. Um, and now we have the project that essentially acts as the catalyst to all of that, at least in the world of Toy Story, which is weird because this one is coming out later than all the others. So it's kind of fun in that sense. But without further ado, let's just go ahead and get into it. Austin and Keith, we've never talked about Pixar on the show, at least in any depth. So are you guys fans in general? And then, of course, let me know your non-spoiler thoughts on Lightyear. I would say I'm a decent Pixar fan. I mean, I, I definitely grew up with them, like I think everybody in our generation did and, and future generations will continue to do. I think it's a studio that has great original ideas for their first, for the first films in their series, and then sometimes they can drag things out with too many sequels. Um, and just going right into Lightyear, 
I think it's really good. I don't know if it's like it's the best thing that Pixar has ever done, but I think it would definitely be up there on the list of all the films they've put out. Um, I think the animation is gorgeous. I think Chris Evans did a great job in the role. It wasn't like jarring to me or anything that it wasn't Tim Allen doing the voice. Um, I think the story is fun. I think it's entertaining for both kids and adults. And overall, I had a great time with this one in theaters. Yeah, I'm a big Pixar fan. You know, grew up watching all the Toy Stories, The Incredibles, Cars, um, pretty much all of them up until like maybe like the most recent ones. Um, I've seen every single one of them. Loved them all. Um, and yeah, going into Buzz Lightyear, I didn't watch any trailers, didn't read anything about it. All I knew was from what you guys told me that Chris Evans was voicing Lightyear. I was like, okay. Um, so I was not expecting it to be, uh, like you said, Matt, the catalyst for which starts Buzz Lightyear. Um, yeah, I had an overall fun time with it too, um, like you said, Austin, uh, in theaters. And sometimes I, I forgot it was a Pixar movie, to be honest with you guys. I guess because the animation was different, but I liked it. To me, it didn't resemble like your classic Pixar animation. The animation did kind of throw me off to, in the sense that it didn't look Pixar-ish, I guess. Um, but that was not a problem because it, it still looked good. Uh, the story was fun, and we definitely got some fun callbacks. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm a big fan of Pixar as well. I mean, it's crazy to think that they already have 26 movies. So I guess I would say I'm a just a diehard fan of like maybe the first half or so of that catalog. You know, I think of stuff like you mentioned, Keith, like the first couple Toy Stories, Up, The Incredibles, Finding Nemo, uh, A Bug's Life I even love. I mean, Pixar has never made a bad movie. It's just once they got into the more recent movies, you get like your Cars 2s, you get your uh monsters university you're finding dories so kind of like you said austin they uh you know they definitely still have good projects it's just they really seem to jump into these sequels like you mentioned so because of that i knew lightyear was kind of its own thing because it's not like this is toy story 5 or following you know the toy buzz lightyear but still because it was kind of in that world i was a little bit apprehensive the trailers didn't really grab me but i ended up Kind of liking it. I think it's based on what you guys said, I think we're all kind of on the same page. I definitely don't think it's great. For me, it's not high up in my Pixar rankings. But like I said, I don't think there's a bad Pixar movie. So I still thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, the emotional impact, especially in the beginning, was surprising to me. Like you know, that, that stuff actually kind of hit the way they filmed that. I also wasn't expecting like an actual kind of not to the lengths of like in, uh, Inception or Interstellar, but it is kind of an interesting sci-fi story with some of those tropes and twists and turns that you might not expect from a Pixar film. So that was kind of cool. Um, really, the only places where it was lacking was the comedy kind of fell flat for me overall. And then um, just some of the side characters, which I, whenever I think of Pixar, side characters really jump to mind. And this one, I think, was lacking a little bit in that sense as well. But it is called Lightyear. And I was also very impressed with Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear. I thought he was a very likable character. So yeah, overall, good movie. Definitely would recommend it. Um, I liked it more than I thought. So there you go. I totally agree that I think the the sci-fi aspect of this one was way more interesting than I thought we were going to get, um, which that kind of is what kept me engaged to the entirety of the film. I do think the opening and kind of the first quarter of the movie are, are the best part of the film. I think they set up some really interesting character relationships. And unfortunately, one of those characters goes away very early on. And that side character, I thought, had the potential to be the most interesting one in the story. And so that was kind of a letdown that the, the side characters we meet further into the film don't stay as interesting as what was set up at the beginning. So I think that's my biggest negative for the film. Um, overall, though, I still think it was a fun Pixar movie. I, I guess it didn't bother me too much that that main character you were mentioning went away um i guess because we get to see a spawn of her later on 
I, I think I'm in agreement with you guys. I think the first half was definitely a lot better, and it kind of started falling flat towards the second half. I didn't get bored, but I was kind of ready for it to wrap up there towards the end. I was like, okay, I kind of kind of get where this is going now. Uh, pretty easy story to read, but yeah, overall had had fun. Just to add on to the beginning being more interesting, they they set up a pretty interesting sci-fi survival story that goes away towards the second half of the movie because Zerg has to come in. And I feel like a lot of that kind of got rushed in by the second half of the movie and, and definitely the more interesting plot stuff I thought came from the first half. Yeah, that's one of those annoying things with Pixar for me. Um, I, I feel like I often think um, whether it be their first thirds, their first half or whatever are like way better. I mean, the thing, the examples I always think of are the first like 20 minutes of Up are some of the greatest thing like ever put to film. But then the rest of that movie, I think, oof, man, it falls flat until the very ending. It's like they had a great idea, but then didn't know how to make it an hour and a half. And then also Wally first half, incredible. Second half was like, oh, God. So it's kind <laughs> of an issue they have sometimes. I think only their great films really uh, stay interesting throughout. This one, to that point, just feels like, yeah, like you said, how cool would it be if we took like the quote unquote real Buzz Lightyear and put him in like this sci-fi survival planetary-esque level like storytelling type thing? It's like, oh, that's really cool. What are we going to do for the rest of it? It's like, ah. Taika Waititi can tell a bunch of bad jokes. Do you like that? It's like, no. <laughs> and they do an opening montage that takes you through the most interesting story. Yeah. Like they skip through it. Bit. It's like, no, that should have been the movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I still liked it, but I'm definitely on board with you guys there. I think the first, you know, part of the movie, then towards the ending, you know, there's some bright spots, but does fall a little bit flat in the middle. But let's go ahead, guys, and get into why we feel that way, because a lot of it involves some spoilers. So if you are somebody, I think maybe like potentially all three of us, if you are on the fence about seeing Lightyear, despite it being a Pixar movie, maybe it's not one of Pixar's all time greats, but it's still a thoroughly enjoyable watch. So we would recommend you go check it out and then come on back to hear all of our spoilery thoughts. So as always, Austin and Keith, how about you hit me with the cast and crew to start off our spoiler territory conversation. All right. So Lightyear is directed by Angus McLean, who has been an animator and story artist at Pixar since A Bug's Life. Uh, he co-directed Finding Dory, and this is actually his first solo directorial debut. Um, it's written by Jason Headley and Angus McLean, and our score is composed by Michael Giacano, who is known for his contributions to Mission Impossible, Jurassic World, the MCU, Star Trek, and the Pixar franchise. And going to our cast, we have Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear, Kiki Palmer as Izzy Hawthorne, Peter Sun as Sox, Taika Watiti as Mo Morrison, Dale Souls as Darby Steele, and we got Uzo Aduba as Alicia Hawthorne, and Josh's dad, James Brolin as Emperor Zerg. What? I was not expecting that casting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do we got? Yeah, I think I'll give mine to Uzo Aduba as Alicia Hawthorne. I think she gives the most emotional performance in the movie, and she's only in it for probably 15 minutes of screen time. I was super invested in this character and really, really wanted to see more of her. So if they ever decide to do another Lightyear prequel about Hawthorne and, and Buzz Lightyear, I'd be super into that. I'll give a positive to Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear. I think he did a really good job with the voice. Like He's, it's, he's definitely not Tim Allen. But they they definitely resemble each other in like the in like the rhythm that they talk in. Uh, I think he did a really good job as far as he sounded almost just like Tim Allen whenever uh, Buzz is doing like the the uh, the first person animation or not animation uh, narration sort of deal. 
Yeah. When he's talking to the like, I see no signs of intelligent life here. Uh, <laughs> he sounded just like Tim Allen right there. So that was he did. I think he did a pretty good job with the voice and the overall uh, character development of of this version of Buzz. I mean, that's the thing I loved most about it, Keith, is like, if you want to, because they set up like, hey, this is the movie that Andy and everybody saw, you can kind of have some fun with the meta element of it. So like, whenever he's doing what will become Buzz's catchphrases, he's like, blast. Whenever like the two infinity and beyond gets a little bit more grand or anything like that, you start to see like, oh, I can totally see how a manufacturer would make a toy and like they selected those as the catchphrases. And then you can see why Tim Allen's the voice. It would have been weird if like it was the other way around. Like, the toy always sounded like that because Chris Evans doesn't always sound like Tim Allen. But for some reason in those specific like catchphrase moments, there's definitely some Tim Allen-esque to the voice that I thought was super fun. Um yeah, I mean, one general one for me is I would just shout out the entire anybody in this who who worked on the animation at all. I think they deserve a shout out because this movie looks pretty stunning. So major shout out to them on the cast and crew side. Ah, this is tough. There's two I'm juggling with, but I think I might go with one of my new favorite Pixar side characters. <laughs> I think I'm going to shout out Peter Son as Socks. <laughs> I really like this little guy. Socks is great. Yeah, yeah Socks was fun. And uh, a movie where they definitely tried to give, I think, most of the other side characters, like, comic relief and goofy moments. In a weird way, it felt like maybe this was the only one they really needed, because he was hilarious, kind of a cute little companion character. I liked his rapport with everybody. So, yeah, I really loved that. He has a fun, like, arc, too, as just a cat that was originally an emotional support robot. He solves the crystal equation. And then he gets taken along on the mission and is terrified the whole time. So I, I thought his little little story arc was pretty fun, too. Also a fun element that Zerg, as the alternate Buzz, has a socks. And that socks ends up betraying Zerg to help the old Buzz because he, like, misses old Buzz, essentially. He kind of misses who Buzz used to be. So kind of a fun little cap off to that uh, relationship. Yeah, I like the uh, the dart thing. Like, I, I bought you five minutes. Oh, that, that was so good. Up. <laughs> So moving into critical reception, you know our general thoughts, but what does everybody else think? That's the big question. So Lightyear received positive reviews and currently has a 77% over on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus is Lightyear settles for being a rather conventional origin story instead of reaching for the stars, but this gorgeously animated adventure ably accomplishes its mission of straightforward fun. Audiences were a bit more positive. Those pulled on cinema score given an A minus ranking, and those at post track given an 85% score, with 62% saying that they would definitely recommend it. Critics praise the animation, heart, and retro action feel, while they criticize some of the comedy, the script elements that made the movie drag at times, and feeling like just in general some parts felt half done, leaving the movie to not reach the heights of Pixar predecessors. I think this is one of the rare times where all three of us are directly in line with the critics. Everything they called out there, I think I would absolutely agree with. Yeah, I would agree. For me as well. For me as well. I th I liked what they said about Half Done. It just felt like could have used another pass, I think, comedy-wise. Maybe some thinning of side characters to help with the movie dragging they mentioned and to kind of get rid of that feeling. It's like, oh, I wish this was as good as the other Pixar movies. Again, it's still great. But yeah, I definitely agree with the critics here. And I, I will say my theater was packed full of kids and they were having a great time. Yeah, that's they true. were all very loud. They were quoting the movie back at the screen <laughs> and uh, they were loving it. So it's good for them, too. Yeah. yeah. We had some like those in Keith and I's theater, but we definitely also just had some that were just like screaming or just like making like unintelligible sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely like I some guess like, you go in there. for it, kids. I don't know. 
Yeah, there's like some like some like babies in there. It's like this kid has no idea what's going on. There, there was one moment in my theater when Buzz achieves light speed, and you get that really cool animation shot. There was one kid that just went, "Wow!" So that was a fun moment we had a too. Kid, we had a kid like I think it was Buzz who said he's like Buzz is like laser shield, and the kid just goes. Yeah, laser shield. <laughs> well, Keith, we could also forget perhaps the biggest kid in the room, me. I had a pretty audible reaction to it in slow motion. Buzz uh, jumps out of the plane and pops his wings for the first time. I was like, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Oh, man. So I was having fun with him. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get a little bit deeper, guys. Let's get into our roundtable discussion. We each brought some points to the table that kind of stuck out to us as things that we felt deserved a little bit more time here. So who wants to start us off? Yeah, let's start a little broad today and just the general plot that gets presented to us. What do you think of the overall story? Um, First being stranded on the planet, which I think in our opening, we all agreed that was the most interesting part of the film. Um, And of course, we have the the crystal storyline and then Zerg's invasion. So Overall, what what worked about you guys for the plot and then what didn't work? I think most of this plot did work, but I think you guys nailed it earlier that the montage that we got with him coming back after each um, trial at hyperspeed in four to ten years or something like that would go by every time. That was really cool and very, I think someone, one of y'all said it, like Interstellar-like, um, that we kind of got that cool sci-fi stuff in there. And it would have been cool if that would have been I think you said Austin more dragged in, more dragged on into like the later half of the movie, and then maybe then maybe move in more into like the Zerg stuff. I almost think you don't need Zerg in this movie. I think the first two points of getting stranded and then having a, a more interesting story about them developing the crystals and Buzz keeps testing this over and over, and he's watching all his friends get older and older every time he fails. Maybe it would have been very dark for a kids Pixar movie, but I think that could have been a very interesting full feature film. Yeah, I mean, Zerg is kind of a weird subject. Um, there was no doubt in my mind that he would be in this movie, uh, remembering like uh, Toy Story 2 in particular, when they got into like the Buzz lore. Zerg is, of course, I mean, he's the only Buzz Lightyear villain that they really set up. So I was like, okay, they're definitely going to put him in there. And I think Zerg works incredibly well thematically. The idea of Buzz Lightyear's guilt really is an important part of this movie that goes back to being stranded. He feels solely responsible for it, which is why he doesn't care about all the time and years he's losing. He's just going to keep on going out there to try and fix the issue because he shoulders all of it on himself. And then when he meets Zerg, it turns out, oh, this is an older version of myself who's been completely consumed by that. And so that as an antagonist is really, really cool. So like I said, thematically, I thought it worked great. It's just kind of plot wise, like you guys said, it it didn't fully work. It was a little bit clunky, especially just when, you know, the first half of the movie is really kind of firing on all cylinders. You uh, get introduced to Alicia and they set up that relationship with Buzz and then that turns into the Izzy Buzz relationship. So by the time Zerg is introduced, it's kind of like, Eh, I didn't really need that. I'm kind of with you guys at the whole stranded element and Buzz just, you know, creating this montage where he just won't stop going out there. He's just kind of throwing his life away. It's incredibly sad. You kind of get it. And it it makes for a great character arc by the end of the movie. Because uh, I, I love Zerg from Toy Story 2 so much. It, it's unfortunate that I think that might be the weakest part of the movie. I think, too, the element of them being um, attached with a science crew who's going out and exploring a bunch of different planets um i was really interested in that story too so maybe if we had had more time devoted to they've they've been to a few different planets and then they get stranded on this one i think that could have made for a pretty fun intro to the movie too 
Mm. Yeah, that'd have been kind of cool seeing like, um, I think we talked about it, Matthew, earlier. Um, the remember the the Star Killer Command game that Rex was playing in Toy Story Two. Oh yeah, at the very beginning of Toy Story Two. Mm-hmm. It'd been kind of cool to get like a scene like that, like where he's like on some like moon by himself, like on a mission or something like that. And then, like you said, Austin, then end up on that planet later on. Yeah. Seems like that's what they're kind of setting up for sequels to this movie. So it might mm-hmm. be one of those things where the origin is good, but maybe the sequels to this will be way better. Now that the team is fully formed, they can go on missions like that, like you said, Keith. Um, yeah, I mean, we got some great moments out of like the whole stranded plotline, too. Like, I love the first time he went into light speed on that mission, and then he comes back and realizes that, oh, this place that I've been working to try and get us off, everybody... He's almost like mad that everybody has kind of, you know, rooted themselves down and started families there. He's like, why are, why are you guys doing this? You know, we got to get off here. Everybody's kind of accepted their fate and moved on a little bit. So I like that initial return where he's like, it's been how long and you guys are okay with being here? Like, I don't know. I really like that stuff. I was, I was also surprised that after they get stranded, the kind of the opening credits and crawl of the movie is the quick montage of their first year on the planet. and then. After they get stranded, essentially our next scene is it's been a year and we've developed the crystal. Um, the way they set up that intro, I thought the development of the crystal would be a bigger plot of the movie. And then that crystal would lead to, I thought from the trailers, he was going to do one light year attempt and then come back and it'd be 40 years later. I didn't realize we'd have multiple attempts at this. And I was super interested in that, but it was it occupied too little of the movie for me, I think. Yeah, for sure. Because I thought it worked what they were doing. It's like all the time Buzz has been gone, all these cumulative years, Sox has been kind of perfecting the crystal uh, without Buzz really knowing because he's not really paying attention to him at that time. He doesn't really want an emotional support pet. He's just kind of depressed and sad. Um, so by the time like the crystal was done, it was like, oh, okay, so the crystal's going to be the MacGuffin. we got to hold on to this crystal until the end of the movie, basically, until I can get it back and, you know, get us off this place. And then, of course, it's another example of plot-wise, did it end up working? I think I agree with you, Austin, no. But thematically, it was really cool to see, I already mentioned, Buzz jump out of the plane while Zerg is chasing him, pop the wings, and he basically is willing to destroy the crystal in order to stop Zerg. It was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Kind of like a thematic representation of him letting the guilt go away and just accept what's going on because there's people that care about him. But again, plot-wise, it was kind of goofy uh, based on how the movie was set up originally. Just a very quick second half, I felt. Yeah. Yeah, so we talked about a little bit earlier uh, about the animation. And like I said, I might be mistaken here, but this, the animation doesn't look as Pixar-ish. Am I right or wrong there? Did you guys like the animation overall? It sounds like y'all did. W- or would y'all rather have had a, uh original classic uh, buzz look to it? I think of the three of us, Matt is definitely the Pixar aficionado, so I'll, I'll let him take if it's a classic Pixar animation style or not. But for me, I think overall the movie does look gorgeous. Um, it's particularly all the space stuff. I thought that looked incredible, especially when we're doing the light speed jumps. Um, all of that looked awesome and was super engaging. Yeah, I guess for me, the reason it works is, I guess, first of all, I, I would agree that this is not the traditional Pixar animation style. Whenever you think of something like Toy Story... I think Pixar has done a great job over the the last 30 years of kind of taking that form of animation and the way characters look and the way like uh, characters are animated in their models. And they've just been kind of evolving that and making changes here and there and just making it look way better and more realistic as time has gone on. This is definitely different to your point. This is more of like they took like a Star Wars type story and just 
kind of animated it. But the reason I'm okay with that is because it almost feels like the point of the story. This is supposed to be, like we already said, a movie that a bunch of kids within the Toy Story world went and saw, and then they created merchandise based on it. So could they have done a story like this with Buzz Lightyear kind of looking like he does in the Toy Story movies and doing a story that way? Probably. But I just thought the way it like worked meta-wise, where it's like, this looks more like a traditional movie, and then you get uh, the merchandise and the way it looks in a Toy Story world based off of that. So that worked for me. Again, I think to your point, it could have worked either way, but I liked this looked like a more traditional sci-fi movie in that sense. Uh, maybe a slight negative is maybe it's a bit too traditional at times. But to Austin's point, I still think uh, taking the Pixar element away from it, just looking at the animation itself, I think it looks amazing. Definitely different, but I think it still looks great. And so, yeah, I mean, just talking about what Pixar has been doing over these like so many years now, it kind of the term Pixar magic gets thrown around. They kind of, to your point, Keith, you were talking about the way the animation looks. Um, I think another thing people talk about is kind of like Pixar tends to throw in comedy, drama, heart, emotional resonance and impact into a bowl, stir it around some animation and that's a Pixar product for you. So I just wanted to kind of pose the question since we talked about how maybe this one isn't one of our all-time favorites or anything. But when we look at like strong balance of drama, comedy, heart, and emotional impact, like I just said, where was this one strong? And where did you feel like it was lacking in some of those categories? I think they definitely check the drama and the comedy boxes for me, particularly from Socks. And then just the overall survival story was very dramatic for me. Um, where we lose the heart and the emotional impact is I think when Alicia Hawthorne exits the story, a lot of those elements were tied to her character and her and Buzz's relationship. Um, and the fact that she cares for him so much too, I, I think we lost a lot of that whenever she does exit. And now we're stuck with a new cast of characters that Buzz doesn't really know or have a relationship with. I think you nailed it for me too, Austin. Um, the Alicia character and, and her relationship with Buzz is really impactful and then when you get Izzy later on it's kind of it kind of got annoying to me at times like I like we get it like Izzy's trying to live up to her her grandmother's or kind of living in her grandmother's shadow I guess you could say but like it got to a point where it's like god dang like just be your own person because Izzy, Izzy kept saying I'm gonna make it up to you grandma or I'm gonna be as good as you grandma it's like okay we got it <laughs> just be your own independent character <laughs> yeah um I don't know why that part of the movie didn't work for me as well. It was just, it felt, it felt like it was a uh, teed up and it should have been a perfect like win for me, but I'm kind of closer with you, Keith. It kind of fell a little bit flat. Um, going back to kind of the original point, it's, it's interesting. I would say the emotional impact is where this movie really hit hard for me. So it kind of checked that box and kind of the drama to your same point, Austin, it worked for me there where this one was really kind of lacking was just the comedy. Like I said, and if we want to get into it now, we can, but, I just thought there was, for, for a movie with such a small cast, it still felt like somehow there was too many side characters. I love Taika Waititi. I just couldn't, I really didn't like this character. It uh, wasn't funny and just like there was no arc at all. To like, to the detriment, because by the end, whenever he's part of the team, like I genuinely didn't know why. Uh, I understand that Buzz like maybe liked him and, and that's worth something, but I'm not trying to be mean, but he, he's proven to be incompetent. <laughs> I was surprised that character agreed yeah. to become a space ranger because it seemed like he hated this entire day. <laughs> yeah. So it felt like maybe they let Taika just go a little bit too hard with the jokes, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's not his fault. But yeah, it just didn't work at all for me. Um, 
and yeah, then some of that heart we were talking about with like the characters and their relationships felt a little bit forced to the point where we get to the end and they're all like, we're a team now. It's like, ugh, I just didn't feel like you guys really earned that. Not just the Taika character, just in general. Uh, yeah. So I, th- I think it definitely checks a lot of the boxes like you said, Austin, but maybe not enough of them to be like an all time great. Maybe they can learn that in a sequel that we'll probably get, but I don't know. I think the best side character we got in the second half of the movie is Darby Steele. Uh, that was the only character that I worked that worked for me, and, and I found yeah. funny with her. Izzy just kind of felt like it was like Buzz was babysitting her a little bit, and then to your point, Matt, Mo was just so incompetent. I was like, leave this guy on the planet and go do the mission. He's not contributing at all. All he does is give you a pen at the end of the film. Yeah. <laughs> I like Darby, too. She was funny. With her, I'm on parole. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked her a lot. She was good. <laughs> Everything she said was, I was cracking up at. Maybe in the sequel, we'll, we'll learn what Moe's skills are. Maybe he's been training. All it seems like now is penmanship. Although I will say, I do want to try these sandwiches on this world. I oh, can understand yeah. Buzz's point that it's like, ooh, it's a, it's a little bit soggy. But I don't know. The idea of a sandwich with a deli on top, maybe some cheese, lettuce, pickles in there, and then one slice of bread in the middle. I don't know. I think I might be interested in giving that a try. So maybe he'll be the chef on the team is what I'm saying. <laughs> So we talked about Izzy there, and I'm curious to go a little bit deeper because it sounds like maybe this didn't work super well for us. And I do feel like the relationship between Buzz and Izzy, especially after the prologue, after we've gotten the history between Buzz and her grandmother, I mean, this is kind of the heart of the movie. So let's talk a little bit more about what worked about it and what didn't work, because I know a lot of it didn't for us. I think my main thing here is the movie does a great job of of setting up the already established relationship between Buzz and Alicia. And so I, I bought that they really care about each other and they've worked together forever and they are best friends. So when she exits and now there's this new character in Izzy, who's essentially just Alicia round two, but not as experienced. I think the fact that there is just no connection there between her and Buzz, because Buzz also doesn't know this character because for a lot of her childhood, he was in space in a way. So he just has no connection there beyond the fact that he saw her once in a, in a video from her grandma. I think that's the main thing there is just no history there, no connection there. So for me, I also didn't feel very connected to this character because obviously I felt connected to Buzz since that's from Toy Story and what I grew up with. But I didn't have that connection because the movie didn't really set that up like they did with him and Alicia. Yeah, well, I said it earlier. I mean, I, I liked Izzy uh, up to a certain point, And it was cool that she was Alicia's granddaughter. And like you said, Austin, she wasn't as experienced. She you know, was afraid of space and all that kind of stuff. So she didn't have like the confidence that her grandmother did. But what annoyed me was that they just kept referencing back to Alicia over and over and over and over. It's like, well, if you're referencing back to this character so much, then why didn't you just make it a main character? <laughs> why did why did why did you just kill her off and then have have to reference her 80 times throughout the whole, whole movie? And they also don't do a good job of explaining why Alicia can't also be a test pilot because she has the same qualifications that Buzz does. So it kind of seemed like she should have been going up there with him and testing it with him. Yeah, that's what worked about it for me, because once Buzz gets back the first time, like I said, everybody's kind of just they didn't know if he was going to come back. It's been four at least years or something like that. So once he gets back the first time, everybody's kind of just written him off. They have no way off the planet. So they've kind of settled in, started to kind of create lives there. So once he got back the first time, I understood why she was resistant to like basically throwing that many years away. But kind of just to your guys's general point, going back to the Izzy thing. 
there's a lot that works about it. I mean, I like the goofiness of like, oh, I'm kind of scared of space and like kind of tying in all of these inadequacies to the character. It ends up kind of working because while Buzz is just feeling this supreme amount of guilt uh, and he's, he'll do anything to get everybody home, uh, she's kind of, I don't know, fighting that fight with no end, basically, where like she's trying to live up to this person that was like a hero to a lot of people, a hero to her. Um, and she can't ever reach those heights because it's like an impossible mountain to climb. Um, but then to your point, Keith, it's just they just kept going back to that well too often. I think it's it's a great premise. It's just, man, it did, it did feel kind of like every single scene we had to bring up the grandmother or something great that she did or Here's why I loved her. It's like, yeah, we know. I think we could have been a little bit more subtle and nuanced with a lot of that because it really does just get – by the end, to your, I think you said it earlier, it's a little bit annoying at times. Um, and maybe it's supposed to be, but it's still kind of hard to root for that. I still really like the character and Kiki Palmer was really good. But yeah, just – yeah, I think they went back to that same well over and over again. And there was also another route they could have gone where – Izzy could have hated Buzz because maybe her grandmother talked about Buzz all the time and she was jealous of that. So I was glad they didn't do that. I was glad she at least like admired him and and wanted to live up to the friendship that her and her grandma had. And her kind of being like this wide-eyed, bushy-tailed type of character, it did lead to some cool stuff where it's like, oh, Buzz has found uh, these people out in the woods. And it's like, oh, these are the people that are going to help him accomplish this mission. And then you find out, oh, they are not qualified for this job. So then we kind of get into the whole element we joked about at the beginning. It's like Buzz might not be the best uh, officer, but it is cool that now he's in a position where he kind of has to train these people to live up to this mission because they're his only option. So it kind of does lead to some good moments of like him as the leader and them kind of learning along the way. And then they kind of, of course, by the end, become his equals, which is kind of cool again. Does, should Mo be there? No, he should just stick to cooking, I guess, in the ship and uh, making <laughs> pens and writing letters to home. But that's it. <laughs> so what about our main villain in Zerg? I, I know we've talked about how we felt this was kind of rushed into the film. But beyond that, what about the reveal that this is a, a future Buzz Lightyear who took a different path? What do you think of that part of the story? Uh, I like whenever he takes off his helmet and Buzz just goes, Dad? <laughs> and then he's like, no, I'm, I'm you. <laughs> he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, Keith and I were talking. This was really cool for me because Toy Story 2, honestly, it might be my favorite of the Toy Stories. I know that might be a little blasphemous, but like the fun thing there is, like I said, they, they play so much with the Buzz Lightyear lore in that movie. So whenever uh, alternate Buzz Lightyear is trying to save the rest of the gang by fighting Zerg in an elevator, Zerg is like, no Buzz. I am your father. And he's like, no. So this felt like a cool little callback to it. I was like, how are they going to do this? Because they did set up in Toy Story 2 that Zerg is Buzz's dad. And this was kind of another fun thing. It's like the merchandise and toy creators created this extra element of the story. But in the original movie, it's not Buzz's dad. It's just an older alternate Buzz, which I thought was super cool way to handle it. Yeah, I thought it was a cool way to handle it. You don't want to repeat Star Wars, Darth Vader, and Luke. So yeah. Yeah, I kind of liked, and I liked seeing the the sci-fi aspect of it too, like seeing like an alternate reality uh, when it when it kind of flashes back to to him actually getting out of hyperspeed and, and aging into his older buzz and then coming back and wanting to. It was cool because his, his intentions weren't like all bad. Like he, he was he was thinking he was do, he was thinking he was doing the good the good thing, but but it also made sense from Ira Buzz's perspective. Like, well, then all those memories and people. None of, none of those relationships will ever happen. So, yeah, it was kind of a cool, cool deal. Like, he wasn't, like, purely evil. 
I do still think this was kind of rushed in here in the final act, but as a catalyst to make Buzz kind of come to terms with the fact that everyone else has built a life on this planet except him, using that to tie into the story of his guilt and, and moving on, I thought was a great way to do that, especially seeing if he continues down this path of trying to keep trying to accomplish the mission, all that, seeing what he'll become. I thought that was a fun way to use that as a way to get our current present day Buzz to um, to buy into this planet more and, and maybe try to build a life here. Yeah, I think he just saw that if I continue down this path, I'm going to be completely alone. Like, I'll have nobody, not even like the offspring of my best friends or, or stuff like that. I'm literally just going to have nobody. So Just robots that can't say my name. Yeah, exactly. Who would want that? Uh, I like that, too. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> Buzz is too hard of a word for them, so it's Zerg. Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, thematically is where this villain, I think, just works great. One of my like more favorite Pixar villains in recent memory, probably, honestly. I mean, kind of just taking a real life thing like guilt and just seeing how it destroyed this character uh, was was fascinating and really sad to watch. And I love that they even went the extra step, Keith. You talked about how his plan is, is noble, for sure. I think we can say that. I mean, he's wanting, he's still, even at that older age, he's trying to get everybody home. He's trying to finish the mission, as he says. And when Buzz is like, yeah, but I mean, we're going to, Get rid of everything they built here. I love that they even acknowledged, but or Zerg is like, well, they're never going to know. They won't remember. So who cares? Basically, it's like, oh, I see what you're saying, but it's also kind of like a weird, slippery slope. It's kind of like, uh oh, I don't know if that's ethically or morally good. Maybe you'd still accomplish the mission, but it's still kind of scary. I think, like you said, Austin, it's the perfect catalyst to get our buzz to go, oh, yeah, I just, I can't. I can't, you know, live with that. I, I got to not finish the mission the way I thought and stop this guy and hopefully, you know, make my new life here and do some space missions with my new friends and stuff like that. So, yeah, liked it thematically again, plot wise. It just the, the balance of the movie was off of what they were doing, like the first half and then this kind of shoved it at the end, Wish they could have figured out a better ratio to make it work because I love the villain. It just was kind of too little too late, perhaps. I'm curious what they're going to do in, in a potential sequel, though, since Zerg is Buzz's main villain. Uh, will he meet a space cowboy named Woody and that be his villain? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so funny. We did see in a post-post-credit scene that Zerg did survive his crystal explosion thing. So who knows? Maybe they'll just bring him back again because or they'd have to make up a new Buzz Lightyear villain, I guess. <laughs> Maybe this Zerg will be his father. Oh, okay. Something to think about. I also think we are, we could get a villain turn for socks, guys. I, I want to prepare you for that. I think we could get a socks turning rogue, and I'm nervous it'll happen. Maybe we'll get a villain turn for Mo. Maybe he's poisoning the food. I don't know. We can maybe just set up in the first five minutes of Lightyear 2 that, hey, where's Mo? Ah, oh, he's doing something else on, on planet. He's dead. Just, yeah, just write him out of the second one. <laughs> All right, well. Since we're talking about the ending of Zerg or the possible reincarnation of Zerg, um, are we interested in more Buzz Lightyear, you know, within this series? Like, are we interested in a sequel? Um, and if not, do we want a live action Buzz? Would that be something that's a possibility? Yeah, you know what? I definitely want more. I guess I kind of alluded to it earlier, but this definitely feels like a good, strong, but also kind of standard and maybe too traditional at times origin story. Definitely enjoyed it. But with where it ends, I do think we could be in for like a really exciting and kind of different and super fun sequel, or at least maybe even a couple sequels. 
Um, the idea of the team kind of fully formed. They're all kind of on board with each other. There's not going to be too much infighting, it seems. We can kind of do what you said earlier, Keith. We can go on some actual like space missions that we kind of saw at the beginning, except this one went wrong. Maybe we could see some that go right, and maybe Zerg will somehow be a part of that. Who the hell knows? But I do want to see some sequels to this. I think it could be super fun. As for live action, I'm not opposed to it. It's just I'd be curious what the deal with that is with Pixar and Disney. They could do like a Pirates of the Caribbean type thing, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. Live action buzz. I don't know how that would look. I think that would look really <laughs> weird, actually. I don't know if I want to see that. That might be too hard to look at uh, with like the little like purple hood over his head under the thing. I don't know about that. I think the only way I want a live action buzz is if it's a horror movie. I think that could be a fun way. But for a sequel to this animated universe, I'm I'm totally down. I think they did a decent enough job with this film to set up a, a new franchise for Pixar. Um, they don't have the best track record with their sequels, but maybe this is the one that kind of carries through. So I I'm definitely want more, though. I had a fun time with these characters. Yeah, not too much else to add there. I, I definitely would uh, like a, a sequel to this one. And as far as live action... Yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of with you, Austin. No, unless it's like a like a parody sort of deal, like maybe a comedy or a horror. <laughs> um, but that's the only case. Who do you want to play live action Buzz? Uh, give it to one of the kids that played Tim Allen's sons in Home Improvement, so that he can feel even more. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I'll go with Timothy Chalamet, an oh, up and comer. That would. But upset. he has to shave his head to wear that. That would hood. upset Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Another Tim. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Brad Pitt would do a good com comedic buzz like. You're right, Keith. Let's get him in. <laughs> I just like that honestly looks that sounds horrifying to me. Brad Pitt, like one of the most attractive people of all time. I uh, I don't think anybody could make that skin tight purple hood look good. <laughs> That's gonna look bad. <laughs> if it's a comedy, I want Jonah Hill. I like that. Jonah Hill there would you be go. Fun. Now you're selling me. Now you're selling me. <laughs> Or Channing Tatum. Actually, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum is actually my, an actual yeah. good pick. <laughs> All right, everybody. But before we close out here today, of course, it is time for the Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is our beautiful, important, and honestly, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Nobody else thinks so, but this is the most prestigious award anybody can get. It's just the part of our show where we shout out something. It can be positive, could be negative. It's just something that we think deserves an award. So... Austin or Keith, who's starting me off today? Yeah, I'm going to give the FU George Lucas Award to the lightning swords that they're carrying as Space Rangers. These Those are better cool. than lightsabers, cool. and they look more effective. I'm going to give the Mysterious Apartment Award to Buzz's, Buzz Lightyear's apartment. I want to know how long that lease was for. Like 60, 70 years? I guess it was rent-controlled. Was he being billed for all the years that he yeah. wasn't in there? Yeah. I guess he had to pay for, for housing for socks, so pay for housing <laughs> that's how the sequel goes it's just buzz getting arrested for like avoiding his rent or something like that yeah they, they they reintroduced that one random like new commander character after alicia dies that was in that one scene and then at the very end like maybe he'll come back as the main villain trying to get buzz to pay his rent <laughs> buzz can't he can't buy a car he can't own anything because his credit score is so bad from all the years of not paying yeah. rent <laughs> yeah honestly he dug his own grave on this one they even confiscate his purple hood because he can't afford it anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. This is this is one kind of to Keith's award that you're kind of uh, asking a question more. So I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Mine is the best toy upgrade award. And don't get me wrong. Whenever this movie played out, we get to the very end. We see Buzz Lightyear and crew 
walk down to get on their ship, and they're in their upgraded duds, right? They're in their new uh, Space Ranger outfits. Now they have the laser in their arm that they can shoot. Now they have the wings on their back they can pop out. But my question is, so you're telling me in the original Toy Story, Andy got a toy, and it was that version of Buzz? Where are the toys for the original outfit? Did they get recalled? Was, were, was the lead poisoned? What happened to the originals? Are they collector's items? I want one. Maybe they had to release a different version because of what always happens with comic movies is the toys come out first and it spoils the villains or the suits. So maybe they mm. released the suit in Toy Story to fake out all the fans in the Toy Story universe from seeing Buzz and expecting, it, expecting the suit. Do you think that the reason Sid, the kid next door, became a villain in the original Toy Story is because his mom and dad got him the action figure of old version of Buzz, not even in the Zerg outfit. It was just an old man wearing like bad clothes. And he was so furious that he didn't get a Buzz Lightyear action figure that he decided to become a villain and torture the other toys. I think they actually got him the action figure from our proposed sequel where it's just a, a homeless naked Buzz Lightyear because he's so heavily in debt. Didn't Sid become... <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, didn't Sid become a garbage man like towards the third one? In the Toy Story 3, he did, yeah. And in case you are asking, that homeless naked Buzz Lightyear toy is anatomically correct. And that one actually is fully voiced by Tim Allen, like all the time. <laughs> that one will not be played by Chris Evans. <laughs> and fully erect all the time. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, speaking of that, no better segue. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We've got a big one coming for you next time, everybody. We are back next Tuesday for our conversation on the long-awaited Disney Plus series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Guys, we don't often do this, but I think it might warrant for an episode this size. Can you give me a little tease for your thoughts on the series so far? Yeah, I, I think this might be my least anticipated recording we've ever done. Uh, I don't care about this show one bit, mm. and it has not been an interesting story. Oh my god, I love it! I Damn. Love it. Well, I'm more excited to talk about it now. Yeah, I'm 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 really enjoying Obi Wan. There's definitely some things that I definitely have some not problems, but definitely some questions about it that maybe will get answered in the in the you know in the coming episodes. But that's where I'm at right now. No 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 specific problems, but I'm pretty high up on it. I had more interest in Moon Knight than I did in this show. Oh, oh screw Moon oh, Knight. That show's Holy terrible. shit. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit. Uh, I think we are in for an all-time episode, guys. Uh, an audience out there, I'm not exaggerating, because I think the best episodes of our show is when Austin is really down on something, Keith is really high on something, and I find myself kind of in the middle. I know where Austin's coming from, and by God, there have been some episodes that make me feel that way. But I'm also with Keith. There have been some episodes, especially the newest one, no spoilers, that really kind of reached some new heights for me. So please, finale, be good. So maybe the ratio of episodes are more good than bad. But I still have some major issues with this one. So it's going to be a fun recording nonetheless. 
And also, we've had a ton of TV talk on this show this year. I think more than we've ever done in the history of our show. Uh, just last week, we put out our thoughts on the first half of season three of The Boys, and um, we're all still pretty high on that show. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that, be sure to go check that out. And lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of Lightyear? Will Buzz do the right thing and kick Mo off the team? Will Tim Allen ever get over not being cast in this movie? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. Let us know if you liked Lightyear. And in the meantime, we're going to be back with Obi-Wan to infinity and beyond. See ya. There's a snake in my boot. <laughs> Wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs>